You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast brought to you by ascully.com. And here are your hosts, Ace Scully and Sid Talk. Jaws. Do you know it? Do you feel good about yourself now? Yeah, I had to do it. You had to get that off your chest. Do you I know, know it? Jaws. Yes. Is this the before the after the show discussion? No. No, it's the before the after the show movie theme tune. It's my new feature. Fab. I'm going to sing and movie theme tune every week. Are you claiming you invented this tune? Who did invent that tune? By the way, John Williams. I'm, I'm guessing. <laughs> Is that the only? That's not the only. Uh, what are they called? Conductor, songwriter. What are they called? What's he called? Composer. Composer. Amazon. Who composed the Jaws theme tune? Amazon. <laughs> who composed the Jaws theme tune? Trying another AI person that you've invited into our lives? The answer is, Jaws was released on June 20th, 1975. I'm going to say it wasn't John Williams. I'm going for John Williams. Okay, anybody? Anybody know what it is? Because we don't know. I think I'm right. So, um, what should be for the after the show discussion, aside from Jaws? Really not much. We talked about this movie... About the books about this movie? That was about it. There wasn't a lot of discussion. We also watched a nice little video of Jason Statham doing highboard diving. Correct. He he was, originally, before a movie star, a a Commonwealth Games athlete. Was it just Commonwealth? He was only in the Commonwealth Games. He was training for the Olympics, and then he didn't get through. Right. Because we commented during the movie, oh, that dive was really good, and now we know why. (laughs) Yeah, because he was really a diver. And he's actually pretty good, apart from the clip we watched. He was actually not doing so well. So, it is Saturday, November the 17th. This is After the Show. We're a movie review podcast. This is our 557th episode. Yeesh. We're reviewing a movie this week. It's called The Meg. It's a 2018 movie. It's actually out now on Blu-ray 4K from our friends at Warner Brothers. They sent us a copy for review. And it's rated PG-13. Sid Talk's going to give you the synopsis of The Meg. Okay, first I have to groan in submission to your correctness. John John Williams is correct. And really, do I have to give you a synopsis of The Meg? Yeah, what's a Meg? Is it about a woman called Meg? (laughs) No. It's a megalodon, I guess, prehistoric shark that we find still alive and it wreaks havoc because we're talking about jaws. You can kind of put two and two together or one shark plus one shark equals big giant shark. And there are people and they've got to rescue people and it's a big freaking shark in the ocean, like giant. The cover cover for this Blu-ray actually covers what the movie is. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think it needs a synopsis. A synopsis. All right. So, um, I think Sid Talk was eagerly anticipating the Meg. <laughs> Not particularly. When you saw the trailer back in you know beginning of the year, you you said, "Oh, that looks fun." Yeah, I like giant creatures that you've never seen and how that 
But as far as like, you know, knowing the formula, I was like, eh. But yes, looking forward to how they would portray it. So you can go first on this one. Let's have your overall opinion of the mech. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I say but, that with... Why was it said in that manner? Because you don't want... I don't always want to enjoy just like the stupidest possible... Um, lowest common denominator type of formula. However, I often do. And so I don't know why I'm such a snob about it. I mean, we are talking about you meet a group of people, right? You emo- you get emotionally connected to some. Some are annoying. Uh, there's the guy who's in charge of it, but he's not very well-educated. There's a guy who's super educated, but he's got a, a problem, so he shouldn't be involved. He refuses to be involved, and then he's involved. And then there are people who... Are just the innocent victims, you know, stand by. The world is at stake. We must save the world. You know? I mean, you could apply... Then you can apply anything to that. A giant... Um, like, we've just recently seen Rampage. We've yep. seen Skyline with the aliens coming. You've seen... Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim, which is one of my recommendations. You see Godzilla. You see King Kong. I mean, it's all the same formula. Exactly the same. Big monster movie. Yeah, so it's how it's done, often, that will either make me sit there and go, oh my god, this is so stupid, I can't even, I'm feeling dumber every scene, or just like, eh, I'll go along for the ride. This one, I was along for the ride. Now, I felt slightly dumber in after every scene, <laughs> I have to say. Why? Based on what? Like just, what? Just some of the acting was really ropey. Oh, sure, sure, and, yeah. And the script was a bit, like, exposition crazy, like, you know? True. Um, it doesn't treat you as though you actually have a brain things. in your head. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, hey, everything that is happening on the screen, we will vocalize it and say it to you. So there's a lot of that. But how I saw it was, it's it's like a giant B movie, like a big, like a like one of the old Godzillas, where it's a man in a rubber costume. I know this looks better than that, but still, it just feels it feels. It's not fully polished, if you get what I'm saying. Yep. It's, um, you know, some of the special effects are not that good, I have to say. So, some of them look all right. Some of them look green screeny and bad. But then it didn't really affect it because it was still... Now, I was thinking at the end, when I was just about to say that, um, was the guy, we watched the extras, and the guy said, oh, yeah, I love making scary things, and sharp movies are inherently scary, and... You know, you're going to be scared by this. And I was like, was I scared by this? No, never. Never was I scared by it. There was small amounts of suspense, which made you think, are they going to, is anybody going to die? Or some, you know. But there wasn't any scares as such. Not even jump scares. Not really. I mean, it was. it's a PG-13 movie anyway. It's not a bloodthirsty shark movie. I mean, they're designed to be, but we didn't take them that no, way. No, it didn't work for me in that way but what i did like about it was i think jason statham is um i like him as a leading man he's he's unusual a little bit he's not exactly like you expect a leading man to be he's a bit rough around the edges he's not the greatest actor sorry jason but he does carry it he's got like a uh you know what what would you say charisma i feel like he has his moments though like there are times when because he's in the middle of a like a hardcore physicality type of a moment and then he's really in it like he puts every 
you know, his whole uh, into it. Those are good moments when another person who, and some other people who are trying to do hardcore physical things, like pull a person up out of a hatch or, you know, grab onto something, because they're so flat and uninvolved. Right. Because they know there's no risk or danger. They don't play it very well. He does those really well. Like, he's really grabbing onto the edge of something. I feel like that's his strong thing. Yeah, he's like the he's like Tom Cruise. He's actually involved in the action, rather than being replaced by a stuntman at every, every second. Mm, you know? Yeah. So... You know, and he's got charisma to him. There's definitely, you know, the scene, any scene where he was working with the kid in this, Mei Ling, and he was talking to the child. I think she made him better. I found that <laughs> I found that those scenes were some of the best acting. It was yeah. like it was. I was like, I wonder if Statham's actually got kids because he's very charismatic when he's talking to this child. So perhaps he has. I don't know, but I mean, she was good. So you know, but she was good too. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like you know she might have made people step it up a little bit because they're like, hey, this kid's pretty good. like it, yeah. Um, but as far as, like, the movie goes, like I say, it's not got any scares or suspense, which you'd, you'd probably be thinking, well, for a shark movie, that's going to suck. But no, as far as... It, what, what it actually does is the spectacle of it, because it's so big, um, it's like the biggest shark you've ever seen in a movie, I guess, as far as I have not seen all those crazy... Like Sharknado-y type movies. I'm sure they've got giant sharks in them, but um, it's the biggest shark I've seen in a movie. Like you said earlier, it does have some problems with perspective on this shark. Sometimes, a little bit. Sometimes it's really, really big. Sometimes it doesn't seem as big. But I said to you, perhaps that's because of the ocean. Like, the ocean's so big, sometimes it can look small. But- no, it wasn't the ocean. It was their, you know... They tried to, in the beginning, you see it compared to these little um, underwater vessels and the person, and then the scale of it is set, and it's humongous, not to mention the cover of the DVD, the mouth in relation to the size of the person. And that's set in the beginning where it actually is banging into the side of an actual nuclear submarine. We don't see it at that time, but you understand the size of it, and then you see it in comparison to these underwater crafts, and you're like, whoa, because it swims over the top of her. I was thinking like the ship in Star Wars, you know? Yeah, How your first thing is it's going over your head. That set the scale for me. Later, when that same shark, supposedly, we're meant to believe that later, later, is coming after someone, the size of its mouth doesn't fit that. No, just fits in the screen in comparison to the person. I'm not saying it isn't humongous, and I wouldn't be shitting my pants. I'm just saying there were scale issues occasionally, unless the secret is it's not always it's not the shark we saw in the beginning. Yeah, the time the time when it seemed wrong and out of um, proportion to me was when they'd caught that one shark and it was on the end of the boat hanging over it, which and- was correct because that. Spoiler alert! That wasn't right. the one we thought it was. So right, but when the when the Meg appeared in that scene, the Meg didn't. In comparison to the boat, it didn't seem as big as it was supposed to be. It, yeah, well, that one wasn't though. Right, that's what I'm saying. That one was right. Right. In comparison to what we'd been led to believe it was, but not the original one. Yeah, true. But still, even that one didn't seem right to me. It just there's, there was there was many scenes. There were scenes, you know the scene where all the people are in the water and then it's swimming underneath and you see it from above and you can see it swimming underneath, yeah. but nobody's vibrating or moving. There's no, <laughs> yeah. 
there's no waves or anything. Uh, there's things like that where you you have to kind of go, oh, okay, we're not we're not going for realism at all. <laughs> this isn't science. <laughs> this isn't Shark Week. But there is a lot of that. But like I say, I really liked the beginning of the film. I'd say maybe the first forty five minutes. It's all takes place in this. Uh, what do you call that place? Like a, a a laboratory, basically, right? Yeah. Underwater laboratory. And it's cool looking. It's all like tunnels and they're made of glass, which, you know, is perfect for looking out at all the cool animals. Not animals, fish. <laughs> they're animals. And um, we're all animals. But then again, it's every time I see a place like that in a movie, I'm like, oh, that's asking for disaster. It's just glass. It's Jaws 3. Yeah. D. Some, <laughs> something's going to smash through the glass at some point. <laughs> Um, but I like the idea of that being down there and being in those little submarines and an adventure. You know, it reminded me of like Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, that kind of thing. So I I preferred all that part to the actual. If you're coming into this movie, if you look at the cover of this movie and you are coming into it for what occur, what is on the cover there, that's really only about five minutes of the movie, right? Towards the end. It yeah. It's not really a big, massive part of the movie. It's more this, you know, drama in this... I wouldn't say that. That's not part of the movie. Or no, I mean, it's it. not like... If you're thinking this is about... like it, This is kind of like Jaws, this shark terrorizing all the tourists and everything. That's not really what this movie is. Apart from a, a very brief yeah. scene towards the end of the movie. And also, that scene... When that scene started to happen, I thought, oh, yeah, this is what I've paid to see this movie for. I want to see all these people get eaten by the Meg. <laughs> nice. But it's a, it's slightly anticlimactic for me because because it's a PG-13, it kind of goes the, like, uh, clinical kind of... This It's not blood bloody, right? Can, did you even see any blood? A in, little bit. Like when she got stabbed with a screwdriver and his nose started but, bleeding. But in but a big shark that. attack with hundreds and hundreds of people... Yeah, there was no There was no blood, was it? I mean, that's where I was like, oh, even Jaws was a PG-13, I believe, back in the day, right? Well, there probably wasn't Don't a PG-13 know. rating back then. But I remember going to see Jaws at the cinema, and I was a child. So I must have been allowed to see it. Not much blood in that one either. Well, Not really. There's this blood in the water when it's swimming around. In this, they, Not kind, much. they kind of don't bother with that so much uh, um, well, there's uh, lots of chumming and things like that in this for one. human blood i mean you do see somebody's arm floating in this true you know the thing with jaws i always mention it we have reviewed jaws before if you go back and read uh, when the anniversary edition came out the thing that scared me to death as a child watching jaws and i'd never seen anything like that and i don't think a lot of people had but it's where they're just underwater just looking and looking and then that head pops out of the ship <laughs> yeah boat but yes that that head popping out was the thing that just freaked me and i and i couldn't get it out of my head as a kid it was like oh god that thing it just made me jump but there is nothing like that in this movie where you jump there's, i mean there's an element of suspense but i think you're supposed to but doesn't quite do it no no it didn't do it for but me but i enjoyed it that's the main point here I did yeah. enjoy it for what it is. And it's full of flaws, right? It is full of them. <laughs> yeah, of course. Every few minutes I was rolling my eyes, but then I was like, well, I'm not, I don't hate this, but what the hell? Who wrote that piece of dialogue there? That is horrible. Or 
look at that horrible like joke that's kind of like you said racist almost it almost like you said it feels like transformers people wrote i mean it's not racist that. it's not racist at all stereotypical in stereotypical yeah. where you take an african-american guy put him in there he seems to serve zero purpose unfortunately except to be the scaredy cat and he's mouthing off all the time. In the end, the little girl's like, shh, stop talking. It's almost like acknowledging what everyone else is thinking, which I think is really disappointing in this day and age. I mean, it's just obvious. To me, it's obvious. It's like there's, the, it's like taking, if you take a British guy who's got a really thick British accent, you know, like a Mary Poppins accent and make him the idiot. Well, it's yeah. the same thing. You're taking a trope that everyone will laugh at and be able to poke fun at the guy who seems like an idiot, but he's obviously a scientist. He drives the rover for about two seconds and then never again has a purpose That's except to be the loudmouth who sits there going, oh, I'm not getting in the water. I'm not getting in the water. No one signed me up for this. This is not my job. It's like, ugh, do we even need that character? No. I want to um, I want to say this. Um, I love you, Michael Bay, but I think you might be responsible for the for that. I don't know if he is. Not in this movie, but no, actually I mean, I starting think, that off. Like, no, I don't think he did. I think it's been around too long. It's been around long before he ever did it. But Transformers was full of that, and yeah. so was like. Um, I think he was playing up to that, which is very unfortunate. But it doesn't. It only dominates as soon as that guy starts to talk. I'm like, no, 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 no. Please switch this character. To being an intelligent individual that he obviously is. He even made a comment that he comes from Detroit, so we don't have swimming pools. And of course I didn't swim. Yeah, it's like, I mean... <laughs> like, you know, like playing to the black stereotype bullshit. Yes, so, and I maybe I'm completely overseeing it. If anyone else never even picks up on that, fair enough. But I was just like, not again. I'm trying to think if they... Well, if he had a purpose throughout the entire movie... I would probably be different, but he has zero purpose. And that's where I really, I kept hang, clinging to hope, but it never happened. And there's a lot, I mean, it's not just him who's a stereotype. They're just all, they all pretty much are in a way. Like, Oh, I disagree. I think he was the only one. You no, know, I, I, I believe Rain Wilson, who is a real stereotype of that kind of guy also. Yeah, but they're not making fun of white billionaires. Well, they do make fun of him quite a lot. Not because he's a white guy. Because he's an idiot. Yeah, that's it, though. There's nothing racial or cultural about it. It's just the rich guy who comes on board who knows nothing. Fair enough. You're being stereotypical about a rich guy, but it's not cultural. It's not racial. It's not even gender specific. It's just the guy who knows nothing throws the money at it, and now he turns out to be the jerk. Also not a surprise, but it's not pointed at any one individual type of person to me. So did you think the... Um was the was it all satisfying to you? Would you like to see another Meg? Because I'm sure there will be one. I don't know if there will be, and I don't know what you mean by satisfying. At the end, was you like, "Wow, that was a really cool like conclusion to that tale"? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, me, me neither. No, <laughs> not at all. No, it was, it was really. It's pretty anticlimactic. I read something on Wikipedia of what happened in the actual book. Um, Mm -hmm. And I did like that, that what happened in the book is really, really over the top. But I do like the idea, the visual of that, <laughs> you know, because it is crazy. It's like Overboard. Well, Overboard's a, a different movie. movie. <laughs> yeah. um, but 
No, it didn't feel satisfying at the end. It felt very... Like, nothing happened that was surprising. At all. In fact, once those little submarines got involved, I kind of guessed what was going to happen with them. So, yeah. Does that make it bad? I don't, I don't think... I wouldn't characterize it as bad. It is weak. It's just a fun romp yeah. through an idea... That if this giant shark still exists, it's just like Jurassic Park or like Rampage or Godzilla or King Kong. It's man versus nature, man versus the beast that we seem to have no control over. Yeah, and I do like, I like that situation. Yeah. yeah, It really reminds me a lot of Pacific Rim because Pacific Rim's like a cool thing while you're watching it. But then if you think back after you've watched it, it's full of stereotypes and it is that you can pick it apart like really crazy. Sure. But you did enjoy it while it was going on. And this feels exactly the same. In fact, it feels like it was cut from the template of Pacific Rim. Not just Pacific Rim. Not Well, Pacific Rim intentionally for me because of the international cast. Um, it's a movie that, that has, you know, because of the financiers of the movie, they want it to appeal to also to China and also to the USA at the same time. Um, and you can almost feel that when you're watching it. In this movie, I could too. Just because of the actors. Um, what do you think? Well, let's get on to the actors. That's the interesting part, to be honest. Jason Statham as Jonas Taylor, the hero of this piece. Like I just said earlier, I, I like him. I really like Jason Statham. I'm a big fan since uh, Lock, Stock and Smoking Barrels. <laughs> that was the first time I saw him, I think. And um, I love the Transporter movies. They're just crazy and fun and very 90s. Um, well, very 2000s, actually, aren't they? The Transformer movies, yeah. Transporter movies. Um, I really like him. think he's got a real, you know, there's a charisma to him. And, oh, don't forget Fast and the Furious. He's, he's one of my favorite things in the Fast and the Furious movies. You, you'll always remember that scene when he walks into the hospital, right? Not walking in, walking out. Walking out. But that scene's very, it's actually one of the best scenes they've ever done in those movies. Um... So I really like him. What do you think? What do you I, think of him in this? In this, I think he's fine. I mean, I see him as exactly the same as he always is in everything else, you know? Reserved, the man with, like, the... Tough. Issues, some sort of emotional trauma or coldness that we don't understand why it's really in him. We see in this one why he's sort of traumatized, but, you know... He's just the same, and he's fine. I have no complaints about that. He's tough, and he delivers his lines very... <laughs> some would say wooden, because it... But, but I, I agree think with it's you that he he's better when he's with that little girl in those scenes. It's like she... Yeah. I don't know, made him better. He and actually with the seemed, lady. The lady, he was really good with her, too. When he was talking to the little girl, it just seemed like he was talking to a little girl in real life. Like yeah. he had a smile on his face... He was laughing at her almost. You know, she was making him laugh. When he has to be the tough guy, that's when it goes a little bit, like, comic booky. But the rest of the time, he's fine. Yeah. So, And I said to you, it's just like the, it's like the transporter just stepped out of the transporter <laughs> 3. You know, when we first meet Jason Statham in this movie, it's that stereotype thing. And also in movies where the action-y type guy is... He's retired now and he's just chilling. You're not bringing me back in. Yeah. Just when you think that. I'm out, <clears throat> they yeah. bring me back in. If you could do a compilation of movies that do that, there are many of them. Yep. And uh, 
you know, I said to you, oh, look, that's just the transporter. He's retired and <laughs> now he's going to go and do this mission. Um, Bling Bling Lee plays Su Yin. Um, what do you think of her? She's the uh, female. Really leader. good. She was like my favorite. Her and the little girl, my favorite things in the whole movie. Yeah, and we've seen her before. She was actually Ada Wong in the Resident Evil movies. Don't remember her in that, but... I really do, because Ada Wong's one of my favorite characters. Um, she is really good. Um, it's clear that she, English isn't a... You know, she struggles a little bit with English, I can tell, like because there's some other lines that are really not coming out of her mouth properly. Oh, I just... Didn't... I hate that, that they make her speak English. I would have rather she just speak not English and subtitle it. You know? Right. I didn't feel like... I No, there were some lines where... It, and, a, and her father as well. There were some lines that I could tell he was struggling to say the lines. He spoke in Chinese all the time. No. The he had father, subtitles all the time. The father spoke in English quite a bit in this movie. Don't think he did. Yeah, he totally did because I was, I was looking at it and going, oh yeah, he's like really struggling to say that. In fact, he didn't speak in Chinese very much at all. Yes, he did most of the time. Watch no. it again. No, I disagree, because it was a point that I made. I would have wrote it down if I was writing it down. But they both did. They struggled with English. I don't get that. Let well, you do get it, because they know that um, a lot of people, unfortunately, are too lazy to read subtitles. I like subtitles myself, but I think it adds but an extra dimension. But if your characters are going to sound like they're struggling to say what they're But I don't agree with you, so I don't know that they were. To me, I didn't feel that at all. Oh, I felt it a lot. Um, a father. Yeah, we got. What did you think of a father? Like he was good, emotional as well. Like they were the serious, with a little tiny bit of humor, but appropriate. They were the serious, like pointing out that in your if you if you took this as a real situation, they were the scientists who were studying the under the ocean stuff, and they had the most gravity gravity gravitas of the whole thing to me. So I liked them. Rain Wilson as Morris, I could have thrown him in the water. Could have been anybody, yeah. Unfortunately, could yeah. have been anybody. I mean, I liked him in the office. He's a bit over the top in this. He is like he's wrote as this stereotype billionaire guy who doesn't really have a clue. Tennis shoes and hugging everybody, and, and it's quite clear. Yeah. Like he, from you know frame one of meeting him, it was quite clear to me. Spoilers <laughs> that he was probably going to bite it, literally. <laughs> um, so no I, I'm not a fan of him in this movie uh, Cliff Curtis who we know from Fear the Walking Dead um, plays Mac what do you think of Cliff? he was good I'd like to see him in something else too he's kind of the same as he was in The Walking Dead except with his own accent again in the Fear the Walking Dead he couldn't have his no Australian or New Zealand I don't know sometimes I can't tell that one apart I think but. he's Australian right so he's fine um Ruby Rose plays Jax. We saw Ruby Rose last in um, John Wick 2 as the assassin woman that never became anything. She, she was a bit over the top even in this. They've made her into sort of a cartoon character. She's the engineer. She designed everything. She's kind of snotty, kind of sassy. Not super tough, but she looks like she should be super tough. So she was all right. Yeah. But there was a lot more I felt like they could have, now, you know, gone there. Now she's DC's new Batwoman. And she's going to be debuted in Supergirl very soon on CW. I'm really looking forward to seeing her do that. I think she'll be all right as Batwoman, to be honest. I don't know. Not if not if they let her do this sort of weird, I'm cool, but well, that's all I have to offer. Kind Supergirl of thing. does a lot of that um, I'm cool kind of thing, right? 
there's a lot of cool people in that mo- in that show. So yeah, but this was too much. So hopefully they'll balance her out. Um, uh, Paige Kennedy plays DJ. He wasn't into DJ. Much. No, I don't. I don't think it was him. I mean, he's fine. No, I think it was what was wrote for him. Correct. Yeah. And it just, you know, again, maybe I'm just like, but every time I start to see any over-the-top character of any kind, it doesn't matter, I just wonder, are we, why are we still making fun of this person? You know? I just don't get it. Yeah, I was just thinking, a movie we watched just recently, Ocean's 8, that was full of over-the-top kind of caricature crap, wasn't it? Really? When you think about it. Mm, not so much cultural as just Not stupid. cultural, but just like... Yeah, you know, I'm talking about actual, like, making really fun of a group characters. of people through one person. Because it's acceptable in other ways, in other movies, in other TV shows. So we'll stick that character in here. When it's not necessary at all. Now, uh, this movie is directed by John Turtletob. I believe Turtle. that's how you say it. Yeah, Turtle Taub, maybe. He directed um, a really cool movie called Cool Runnings back in the day. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? The Jamaican yeah. bobsleigh team. It was really fun. It's been a while. He also directed both National Treasure movies with Nick Cage. Um, so he's not a stranger to big movies. Um, how do you feel about his direction here? I mean, it was all right. I think you, you know, you're limited on this type of thing. You either, I would like it to have gone either full gruesomeness and serious... I would have much or preferred full comedy. Yeah, those are the two extremes. I don't really like in the middle so much. This one because it had enough moments where I was like, oh, just thinking about the reality of being trapped in an underwater device with a giant anything could have been anything a normal size shark. You know, I mean, like a twenty foot shark coming at you. It was portrayed in a way that wasn't. That did sink into my psyche a little bit, so I was okay with that. But I'd rather it be, like you said, full blood, full guts, full glory. The only guts and gore we saw was the dead whale. One arm floating up or being picked up. And a load of dead sharks. Yeah, I would like it to go, like, this is hardcore, serious shit right now. And see 150 people get half-eaten on the on the shore. And that way I feel the threat. Instead of like, yeah, we're going to beat it in the end. Yeah. I, I wanted to be like, uh, I'm not sure about this one. They, he didn't really go there. Don't know if that was his choice, but. Well, it's just like, it's it's a giant studio movie and you can tell that that's what it is. And you can tell what the, I hate to say it, but when they, they talk about movies, it almost feels like a product. Sure. You know, like this is the product and this is what we need. So it doesn't seem like it has tons of you know, room to breathe, like for, to make it stylish or whatever, because you're that director. So it just feels like, yeah, kind of plain almost what the way it's filmed and the way it is. But you know, it's a giant shark movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> like rein in the uh, intellectual <laughs> complaints a little bit, maybe. I don't know. So extras on the Blu-ray, there are only two. There's the making of the Meg and there's one about, what was the second one about? I'm blanking. Making the actual shark itself. Oh yeah, creating the monster. Yeah. Um, very brief. But good. Really I didn't mind those. Though they were all right. Yeah, I think you like them when they're brief. Yeah, depends on the movie, but this definitely didn't need a lot of explanation. Um, 
yeah, so that is it for the Meg, really. Um, like I say, it's enjoyable. It's, you know, it's not... Don't don't bring your science hat. No, no, don't bring... Don't <laughs> wear a hat at all. Unless it's a shark hat. Like one of those sharky head hats. With the fin? What are you talking about? Shark hat. You know, like No, a, I don't. Like you put your face in the mouth and it's over your head. I Have you ever seen that? I don't know who you're hanging out with. It's like a it's like a costume. <laughs> no. Hat. Never seen it. You have. It's real fun. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> It's a lot of fun. Okay. Um, so okay. you can only wear that hat. Um but yeah, it's you know what it is. If you've watched Pacific Rim and you've watched Kong Skull Island and you've watched, it's that kind of movie but with a big shark. Correct. You know? So that's that level of intelligence and that level of like visual effects, maybe a bit less lesser because Kong Skull Island had really good special effects. I feel like this one has medium special effects because <laughs> occasionally it's cool and then sometimes it's like, ooh, that's a green screen. Or like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'd recommend it for a fun Saturday afternoon for sure if you like this kind of thing. It's definitely, you could watch it with your kids. It's not that scary or intense, right? No, I mean it depends on the kid, but yeah, yeah. No. I mean it's not, it's not Jaws, or but even Jaws again, it's uh, is it scary because we thought it was scary when we were kids, or is it actually like we've freaky? rewatched Jaws and it definitely has a level level of horror to it, you know? Is it when we saw the anniversary edition on Blu-ray and we watched it again, it was like it's. Actually, tense. Very tense is what I would say. Yes, tense, I think. Horror, yeah. I don't know. And, you know, and there's definitely blood. <laughs> and there's definitely people There's getting, not much blood. There's some limb removals. I mean, there's no blood with the head scene. There's no hardly any blood when he's pulling all the stuff out of the shark's gut. I mean, it's just kind of slimy and gross and maybe a little bloody, but not too bad. You know, when he's pulling the... Yeah. Sh- the... License plate and everything out of its stomach. And always remember... Also, when you see the girl... Spoiler. There's a dead girl on the shore in the beginning. It's not bloody or anything. It's like... You're like, what is that? It's really... It's gory-ish. But only once you find out what it is, you're like, oh, God. And always remember how amazing Jaws is. Because it was made in the 70s. There was no computer CGI. (laughs) The whole movie is a mechanical shark. And it actually works. (laughs) Like the whole movie. Even... Go back and revisit it, and it's still a great movie. Crazy. What we could do back then. <laughs> Without, well, this movie, I don't think this movie has any mechanical sharks, right? They're all CG. So um, thank you to Warner Brothers for giving us a copy of the Meg to review. <clears throat> Next week, we're looking at the movie Mile 22. It is the new movie from... Mr. Peter Berg, and it's another movie with Mark Wahlberg in it. I think he's made like four movies in a row with Mark Wahlberg, right? The the Boston Marathon one, the Deepwater Horizon, Lone Survivor, and now this one. Yeah, I mean, they're good, so. Yeah, so uh, Mile 22 will be next week's movie. Uh, movie recommendations, I am going on the theme of the Meg. I'm going with The Shallows, which I was going for Jaws at first. That By no, you know, Jaws is definitely my favorite shark movie. But I've recommended it before. So I'm going with The Shallows, which is a newer shark movie that I really enjoyed and I would actually rewatch. My second one is on the basis of Jason Statham. I've recommended The Transporter to you before. 
I'm going for the Transporter 2 because it's not better than the first one, but it, <laughs> no. it, it goes really big, the second one. Like, they take it in, like, oh, we've got a massive budget now, so it is giant, and that's how it feels. True. So, Transporter 2 and The Shallows. And mine, I've mentioned already, one is Pacific Rim, just because it's one of those. The original or the second one? Yeah, the first one. Oh, Idris Elba. Is he in the second one? I don't even think. I don't think so. He was right at the beginning, I think, in a message. In or a something. memory yeah. or something. Yeah. Well, spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> Idris Elba, it's, in, it's 2013, so it's quite a while ago, but special effects are pretty good. And it's one of those where you're like, whoa, did not, you know, you... It's a thing you... Ha- I haven't, anyway. I mean, Transformers is one thing with giant robots, but this is... Who was the director of the first one? Of what? Pacific Rim. Uh, Guillermo del Toro. Correct. I'm on, I'm looking at IMDb right oh, this minute. He didn't, he didn't do the second one, though. <laughs> he just not, produced it. I'm cheating. I'm actually looking at the page right this minute. Um, but I really I enjoyed it, just because it's different. Yes, it's hokey, and it's got all that shit where you're like, ugh, that's it ha- impossible. It has that character played by... Charlie Day, I believe, and it's awful. That I hated. But in the second one, they kind of turned him around. True. Yeah, yeah. that like nervous, like obnoxious. Uh, yeah. In the I first remember. one, it was like, oh God, get this guy away from me. You know? Yes. I don't like those characters. I don't get it. I have I no sense either. of humor. Maybe everyone who's listening right now has never listened before. I have very little sense of humor. <laughs> I'd be the first one to admit it. Now, when I say that to people, like, oh, of course you do. No, nah, I don't really. I don't think things are funny the way other people do, and it's just built in. It isn't on purpose, so I don't find that guy funny either. But I did like the I like the franchise. I like the idea of it. I'll watch more if they make them. And my other one is um, Battleship. Also, not great. I think that's by Peter Berg as well, right? A lot, yeah, I think so. A lot of people will be like, oh, God, that, what a piece of shit. But... I really like the idea because it was, I had no idea at all what this movie was about. Like, not even a hint. I mean, weirdly, Battleship. Weirdly, it was based on the Hasbro board game, <laughs> Battleship. Was it, though? Yeah, actually, yes. That was the that was where the property was from. Right, but it wasn't. Cause no, I mean, not. there is no... <laughs> no, there's no... <laughs> the only thing that board game has that is in relation to the movie is ships on, a, on the sea. True. Right? A battleship. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, yeah. I really enjoyed it. I, again, it's one of those where you're watching, you're like, what? That? Oh, shit. That's where we're going with this? And then you're this? like, Rihanna is in it? <laughs> don't remember her. <laughs> I don't remember. I think, <laughs> is Liam Neeson in it? Yes. Yes, he was. Okay, so I remember that part. And but... Rihanna. That's all I remember. Rihanna and Liam Neeson. So those are my recommendations. All right, so a Scully stuff. I've been playing more Red Dead Redemption 2. I definitely don't want to spoil the story for you, but you've been watching me play, and mm-hmm. the story's pretty interesting, right? Yeah. You know? <coughs> yeah. Something happened recently. Um, that was a bit of a shocker for me. I was like, whoa. Yeah, there are, there are some stuff that happens in the story. Also, um, you know, uh, this is not a spoiler, but I'm going to say it to you, Sid Talk, so you know what I'm talking about. Remember where we go to a place? Yes. Yeah, that. That was very surprising too. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, this is not um this is not fully a cowboy game. It's also something else. Um I think it's really great. I think it's like almost well uh, I don't say almost. Oh, you're gonna say it. I won't say almost. <laughs> I'll say it's 
one of those masterpiece type video games. Damn, you, t- you went there. You know, Uncharted is one of those. The um, The Last of Us is one of those. This easily fits with those in terms of voice acting, story. You know, it's intelligently written. It's not like really dumb. It's written just like, you know, you're watching an episode of Deadwood or something, right? It's It's tough. Cowboy men. They're not being silly. It's no, just, yeah. It's just a serious take on what the Wild West was. I recommend it. Tetris Effect. <laughs> we need to play some more. Yeah, we haven't played I want to go while. through that story mode, um, but on the easier level, so we can get through all and unlock all the skin. Definitely easier. I am not. So if you want to do that, we'll do that. I'm not an expert. I've also been playing a game called Sunset Overdrive. Now, if you're an Xbox person, I don't have an Xbox. I have a PlayStation 4 and a PC, but when the Xbox One came out, which was five years ago now, there was a game called Sunset Overdrive that came out by Insomniac Games. Now, I've never played it because I don't have an Xbox One, but this week they put it out on PC finally, five years later. And it's a really fun... I would I would say what it is, is it's really colourful. It's kind of crass a little bit. There's a lot of punk music, like, playing. But what it is, it's a cross between Crackdown, if you remember that game. Crackdown, Crackdown, they did it. Oh, different. different it's thing. a cross between Crackdown, Tony Hawk skating, because there's a skating element to it where you're grinding on rails and stuff. And uh, like any game with zombies running around, because there's like, they're, they're not zombies so much. They're like weird mutated humans that can move really, really fast. And there's hundreds of them at once. So a lot of the gameplay involves you grinding on these rails, uh, the, the city. You have to keep moving, and you've got these crazy weapons, and you're sliding along things, sliding down rails, and you're shooting zombies at the same time, and you're trying to do all these different quests that they give you. And it's just really, really super colorful. It's not doesn't take place at nighttime. It's really bright it's in the daytime. It's really silly. Like There's a lot of dress-up. Like You get costumes and... You know, you can be like in a chicken suit doing it. And it's one of those games where it's like, we're, our game's really silly and we know that, but let's just run with that silliness. So that's called Sunset Overdrive. And the last thing on my list this week was um, Rest in Peace, Mr. Stan Lee, the Aww. creator of a lot of those Marvel um, things that you know and love, like Spider Man and Daredevil and the Hulk and the Avengers. I really, really love his stuff. You know that. Yep. I mean, we're we're watching Daredevil right now on TV. Um, also, we, w- we watch all of the Marvel stuff on TV. And we watch all of the Marvel stuff. There isn't any Marvel True. stuff that's gone past us. <laughs> so, uh, I really enjoy superhero stuff a lot. I like, I don't care if DC or Marvel. I like both. Um, I was very very surprised also today to learn I didn't even know we saw the trailer at the beginning of this movie for Shazam. By yeah. DC. Yeah, <laughs> kind of funny. I mean, Which I know looked, nothing about Shazam, but... No, but it looked like DC are actually making a movie that doesn't take itself too seriously. Like, people complain about them taking themselves a little bit too seriously. This one looks like the opposite of that. And Shazam's a fun character. Off topic for Stan Lee, because he didn't create it. But rest in peace, Mr. Stan Lee. <laughs> you did bring us a lot of cool superheroes. True. So, uh, what's for dinner, Sid Talk? Tonight, there will be pasta with pea ragu. 
I, what's pea ragu? Well, ragu, I guess, is, is just, just whatever saucy stuff, but it's kind of thick that you make it out of. And so we have frozen peas. We have pea soup. I have the leftover crumbles. And so I'm going to make... Is ragu... You're talking sauce. about spaghetti sauce? I mean, that's... Ragu doesn't have to be tomato-y. That's what I'm saying. So it's oh, like a sauce, but it's kind of thick to go with the pasta. Or if it's early enough, which it's fairly early, could be something else. But that's what—that's the direction I'm going right now. Pasta. All right. And what's your advice? What is my advice today? <laughs> it's so profound. I forgot. Um, I was thinking the other day about what worry is. You know, worrying about people, worrying about things, and I observe people worrying, as in sitting at their desk or being at work, and this overwhelming like they hear a, a nugget of information about cutbacks or something you know i work for a state government so any hint of like when the governor was resigning big deal in missouri right um people were like oh we're all gonna get cut we're all gonna get cut that's it that's it the whole division's gone we're gone and then people talk about it incessantly and you know it's concerning them well i'm gonna have to worry i'm gonna have to get another job because if it if this is gonna end I, 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 you know but they're not solving anything you can worry about it. It doesn't make any sense. Like worrying without coming to a solution. If I sit here right now and hammered my brain and my heart and my immune system, my whole body and soul, whatever you want to call it, with a constant concern and worry about, well, I hope my nephew does okay before he gets out of college. And I hope that this happens. And I hope that Star's okay with their new baby. And I really hope that this, and oh, I'm so worried that she's not going to have enough money. And I'm so worried that, you know, my brother's getting older and I'm so worried that my mom's getting older and what's going to happen. I mean, what does that do? It does fuck all. It doesn't do anything. Like it literally does nothing. It's fair to say you're concerned about someone and they cross your mind. But if I worry about my nephew graduating from college, maybe not getting a job, maybe not being satisfied in his life, maybe getting his heart broken, maybe possibly having a shitty loan at some point, maybe getting bad credit in his life, maybe getting old and not feeling satisfied with his life. What am I doing? What problem am I solving? Like you're Just giving you know, yourself gray hair. Yeah, you're doing nothing. Literally doing nothing. Now, if something crosses your mind... And it starts to plague you, which we all have that. I, you know, my mind is often worried, is fuller of more things about my own body or my own health. You know, like, oh God, if I don't lose weight, I'm going to die of a heart attack before I'm 60. And then I'm over it. <laughs> like, it takes me about five seconds. I'm like, well, I'm not going to be skinny in five minutes and skinny people die of heart attacks. So right this minute, there's nothing I can do about it except not eat that piece of cake or not eat that extra teaspoon of sugar in my coffee. Like... There's nothing else I can do. It's a long-term thing. So sitting here fussing my mind over it, fuss and worry constantly, does nothing. You know, if I worry about the state of our society, it does nothing. I'm not, I can't rise up above all the people and solve all the problems. And worrying about it, it's actually more of a hindrance because it makes you kind of an asshole sometimes. Where if that plagues your mind, you're not communicating uh, you, you're not accepting or thinking of different things and maybe solutions. You're just worrying for nothing. And I think we get taught this somehow. It leaks into our brains. And it's just, if you lay in bed at night for more than five minutes worried about anything, 
Just remember this. You're lying in bed. It's nighttime. The person you're worried about is probably in bed. Or unfortunately, if they're ill, they're, they're somewhere being ill. You're not going to cure their disease. You're not going to suddenly give your, have come up with a million dollars to give your children in the middle of the night. If something plagues you for more than five minutes that you can't fix, let it go. Let it go. Tomorrow, let it go. if you can find a solution, fair enough. If you can't find a solution, but you can offer support directly to the person, you know, to the situation, like hold the hand, do the visit, make the phone call, do the text, send a funny message on Facebook to lift their spirits, whatever that may be, that's fair. It's at least an interaction. You're doing something instead of being really egotistical and thinking that having it run through your mind over and over and over is important somehow because it isn't. You're not doing anything. So worrying without solutions is wasting your life. Good work. I'm worried about you all. (laughs) Very nice. Very well said. Thanks. Very succinct, very to the point. Not really succinct, but fair enough. <laughs> All right. So um, you can catch us on com and SidTor.com. Uh, Twitter and Facebook, we're both on there. You can catch this podcast on the Google Play Store, the iTunes Music Store. Go to com, click on the word podcast. There's a thing where you can subscribe via any method, including YouTube and TuneIn. And you can email feedback to me at com. Don't email Sid Talk. She hates all I of I don't you. hate everyone. I don't hate anyone. Hates. In fact, I worry. I just worry so much. And um, stay classy. Mr. John Turtletob, the director of the Academy Award winning Cool Runnings. I thought you'd say Stan Lee, but hey, you forgot about him already. Lee is also <laughs> the most classy man. Well. No, you don't know he's classy. I think so. In terms of creating superheroes that I love. Okay. And I'm going to say, think for yourself, because if you don't, someone will do it for you. You missed that I said Academy Award winning Cool Runnings. Yeah, and? Probably not true. Oh, I don't know.